Have the Yankees hit rock bottom after a ninth inning meltdown in Miami yesterday? And next up, the best team in baseball, the Atlanta Braves. Is this the beginning of the end for the Bombers as they're in jeopardy of missing the postseason for the first time since 2016? Plus the rest of the division and wildcard chase in Major League Baseball. A messy divorce forthcoming in Philadelphia as the James harden Daryl Morey relationship has come to a boil based on Harden calling his longtime GM a liar. How did this come about and what will happen next in this saga? Speaking of which, will there be a conclusion to the ongoing battle between the Indianapolis Colts and star running back Jonathan Taylor upon his trade request, which the team has disallowed? Trudging through August as we're just about at the halfway point of the month, delivering what's going on in sports. It's all coming up, but first, this message. J Reels here, just passing by to send a brief reminder to please subscribe, rate, review this podcast, the J Reels Podcast. On wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's on Apple, Google, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Luminary, CastBox, all of the major platforms that are out there, whichever one that you listen to, once again, just throw me a few stars, write a review, I would greatly appreciate it just to increase the visibility of this podcast with all the others that are out there, especially this one, which covers all sports in roughly one hour. Where else are you going to get that? So if you can go ahead and please do that, I would sincerely and gratefully appreciate it. And with that said, let's get it. The J Reels Podcast begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Let's get this sports podcast party started, all right? The J Reels Podcast. Why don't you wait until July 1st to make an announcement? What a disgrace. He can rack up all these numbers in October, November, and December, but what really counts is let me see this in January. Sports Rebel Without a Pause, delivering fast-paced, jam-packed sports talk like no other. Listen, I gotta call it as I see it, he is not a good player. I'm sick and tired of having to deal with the disappointment of this franchise. When does it stop? And yes, another winter that I can sleep in peace. Coming correct, direct, and in full effect. Let's get it. This is the J-Rills Podcast. Welcome aboard. What? Is happening, my good people. Greetings. How are you? How's it going? How's everybody doing out there? What is the latest and greatest? I hope everybody's doing well, feeling fantastic and excellent spirits. Keeping you abreast of everything that's going on in the world of sports. Well, that's why you're here. And I appreciate you stopping by to get your fix as another week commences with the first of two podcasts coming at you. As this is the J Reels podcast with your host, J Reels. For my first-timers, welcome aboard, and for those who have been banging with me going back to the very beginning, somewhere in the middle, or even as early as this past Thursday, I welcome you guys and gals back, and yes, I'm a little feisty today, I'm chomping at the bit to get on this microphone, and even though we're slowly but surely approaching the middle of the month, and with the college football season two and a half weeks away, and right after that will be the NFL ushering their season three and a half weeks from now, we also do have a Tennis tournament, the final Grand Slam of the year with the U.S. Open two weeks from today. But all that's going on at the present moment is baseball. And yes, I have some James Harden news and everybody knows how I feel about him with regards to him trying to get out of Philadelphia. It looks like based on some words that he said regarding an event in China for Adidas, the sneaker brand that I believe he has a shoe from, and as well as Jonathan Taylor. So a lot of behind the scenes stuff going on with players and organizations looking for their exits or trade requests, things of that nature. But baseball is at the very top as the only sport that's really active at the current moment. And you'd have to wonder, is it time here on the 14th of August 
that yes, the shovels and the grave has already been dug. But is it time to throw dirt on the 2023 New York Yankees? Because they're the story in baseball at the moment, considering they had a nightmare of a weekend in Miami based on how you call it, because it started off well with a 9-4 victory. Aaron Judge hitting a shot pretty much to the ocean somewhere on Ocean Drive near Prime 112, which I'm sure the players went after the game to celebrate and to enjoy some of the nightlife there down on South Beach or maybe in Brickell or Wynwood or anywhere in the Miami metro area. But after that, it has been nothing but a slog, nothing but a nightmare, maybe hangovers, maybe just punch drunk over the Friday night and even Thursday where they spent their day off after losing two out of three in Chicago to the White Sox. But for the rest of that series, whether Sandy Alcantara shut the door on them for a complete game victory, one run, six hit, 10 strikeout effort and a 3-1 victory for the Marlins on Saturday. And then yesterday was the coup de grace. Yesterday could have been rock bottom for this Yankee team. Although next up are the Atlanta Braves, and I'll get to them and that series in a bit. But yesterday, I'm sure Yankee fans were just wishing, hoping that Mariano Rivera would button up the 42 jersey for one last time, even at 52, 53, or however old he may be, because I'm sure the Yankee fan would trust even an aging Mariano Rivera to come and shut the door on the Yankee victory, or could have been victory yesterday, as they had a 7-2 lead going into the bottom of the 8th, and a 7-3 lead into the bottom of the ninth, and all the Yankees did was spin it up to the point where the Marlins scored 5 runs in the bottom of the ninth inning, as the Marlins were victorious 8-7, and they continued to put themselves in the mix in the NL wildcard race, but it's all about the Yanks right now, and I'm sure all the Yankee fans in my life whether you're my father-in-law, Angel Maldonado, whether you're Carlos Bolito, my brother-in-law, my dear friends, Robert Rosado, Louis Pizarro, John Irving, Rafael Torres, Richard Rosado, go on down the list. And I'm sure I left out a few others. If I did, forgive me, but you have to think that this season is right now on the brink. Because even with 44 games left, their record is 60-58, and And yes, they're in last place, but we know the Yankees aren't a last place team. So that I'll even give you. As much as everybody knows, I am not a Yankee fan to say the least. But they are not your prototypical last place team. Have they played like a last place team? Their record shows that it has, considering the other four teams are ahead of them in the AL East. But one thing's for sure. This Yankee team is on life support. Their rotation is in shambles after Garrett Cole, who pitched a very good game yesterday. And obviously the bullpen couldn't save him from a victory there yesterday afternoon but when we look at this rotation whether it's Nes Cortez having to go back on the IL I believe this time for a shoulder injury where who knows if we're going to see him for the rest of the year Domingo Herman, who excused himself because he put himself into rehab for alcohol and there was a story that surfaced about him being drunk in the locker room who knows how accurate that is but Herman, who has had his issues off the field in the past now is looking to try to get his life in order, even after a perfect game there early in the year, who knows? Who knows if that success went to his head? But be that as it may, Herman is not going to be seen for the rest of the year. And then you have Luis Severino, who right now is on fumes and life support in his own right, not only for his Yankee career, but you would think for his career overall, because he has just been god awful as he tries to get himself back on the beam and be at least a reputable starter the way he was a few years ago. But you would think all the injuries have taken its toll 
on Severino, the Tommy John surgeries, the shoulder, etc. And this rotation, and maybe not even the bullpen, you have to wonder whether or not they're going to piecemeal it together over the last 44 games to get at least a six seed in the AL wildcard for them to maybe even push on the road. And for them, it would probably be in Minnesota for an opportunity to go to a division series. And I'm sure the Yankee fans saying, ha, that is not going to happen. There is no way this team's going to turn it around. They have six weeks left. And we could talk about the lineup. And yes, the lineup has its peaks and valleys. It has its moments where it doesn't hit, it can't hit. But what can you say about yesterday? It doesn't fall on them. They scored nine runs there on Friday night, as I detailed earlier. All right, Sandy Alcantara, who has not had anything close to the Cy Young year he had last year in the National League, but he is a top-flight starter, and tip your cap to Alcantara for going the distance and getting the win. But this Yankee team, and you know me, every year when it comes to the Yankees not recording that last out to become a champion of that particular year, you know my motto, and if you don't know, you could go back to my social media feeds, you could go back to any of the accounts, whether it's on Instagram, Facebook, not necessarily YouTube because I have not put that post on YouTube as of yet, but another winter I could sleep in peace, I'm not ready to say that just yet, but you could start throwing dirt on this team, and it's up to the Yankees as the rocks, the gravel, the dust, the dirt, the soil as it's being thrown on them as we speak, they still have an opportunity to climb out of that mess to see whether or not that they could push themselves out of that grave and into the AL wildcard race. Now, what does that mean long-term? What does that mean come October? Will they be able to beat a twin team that they've been able to beat like a drum in the postseason over the past couple of decades? Obviously, we can't say that right now. You have to make sure that they get in first before we can even talk about it. But I don't know if this team has any gas in the tank left. I'm sure they're going to have their moments. As my brother-in-law said yesterday when I met him, The Yanks could be a 10-game winning streak from getting back to it, but do you see a 10-game winning streak in the forecast? Do you see it coming up on the horizon? Do you see any way, shape, form, or semblance of this team playing crisp, solid baseball, not only just offensively, but also with their rotation and their bullpen to put themselves in a position where they could secure themselves a postseason berth when it's all said and done come October 1st? Right now, there isn't any indication that that's going to be the case. And you know what? I'm starting to believe that that's what's going to happen. They're not going to make it to the postseason. Is five games insurmountable? Absolutely not. I know that as we click off the dates and the games, 44 games left and you have to make a five, again, not daunting. But the way this team has slept walk, the way this team has just underachieved, the way this team has performed on so many levels, and I get it, they've had a ton of injuries this year. Whether it was Judge out for almost two months, Stanton with his time on the IL, we've talked about the pitching staff and how they've just been bruised, battered, tattered, and pretty much left in shambles at the moment. But one thing's for sure, I don't know when this team is going to turn it around or when they're going to wake up to say, it's time to pull up the bootstraps and let's get going. Well, now I could say their next series is against the Atlanta Braves. And the Braves have Max Fried, who's going to be on the mound tonight against the Bombers. And of course, no Garrett Cole over the next three days. And you're going to have the Clark Schmitz of the world. And you're going to have guys that are just going to try to 
keep your team in the game because as we've seen just this past weekend, how even though the Mets saved face last night, but how they just eviscerated and embarrassed the Mets over the first three games of that series to the tune of a 34-3 deficit. Think about that. Now, we know the Mets are awful, so this is low-hanging fruit when you think about it. But the Braves coming in with their 227 home runs and their young pitching staff and stars abound from Acuna to Riley to Olsen to Albies. Please, the team is just stacked and loaded and you would think anything short of a World Series trip, let alone a World Series victory, would be a disappointment there down in the ATL. And now the Yankees are going to have three days in Atlanta to see if they could try to lick their wounds over the weekend in Miami to at least win one game, maybe two out of three to at least come back home to face the Red Sox this weekend, the team that's above them in the standings, to see if they could get their season on track. That's it. No biggie. No pressure. So coming off the weekend that they had and now they have to go to Atlanta, I tell you, it doesn't get any easier for this team. And I talked about this last week. When it comes to the organization and how Brian Cashman looks like he's going to stick around here based on what the owner, Hal Steinbrenner, said, and it's quite possible that Aaron Boone could be jettisoned at the end of the year. Now, we know that Boone, for all of his histrionics with the umpires getting thrown out of games, as I talked about, and him just being super overly optimistic regarding his team, not disciplining them or not showing any accountability to the players where he's just like a big brother or an uncle to a lot of these players on the team, maybe even a father figure to some, i.e. Anthony Volpe and some of the young guys on the roster. But there needs to be a complete shakedown of this organization from the very top, not necessarily the ownership, but from Cashman down. And the sad part is that Cashman, I believe, re-upped for what, three years at the end of last season, and Boone, I believe, still has two years after this? Well, if somehow, some way, George Steinbrenner, the patriarch of this organization who has been long and dearly departed, going back 13 years, I'm sure he's turning over in his grave and trying to somehow, some way, telepathically or just cosmically get the message to his sons to say, Get these guys out of here. I know Mr. Cashman's been here for a quarter of a century, but we have not been to a World Series, and it looks like it's going to be 14 years and counting. And if George was alive, by far, Cashman would probably would have been in another organization as a GM doing whatever work that he can to build that team as far as making it to a World Series and have a winning tradition for that particular franchise. And as far as Aaron Boone, we know that he's a puppet. We know that he's a guy that's going to be analytically driven with the front office, with a lot of the pieces in place to put up the lineup on this day or to have an opener on that day. Or uh, I tell you, it's just an absolute mess. More so than the Mets, if you could believe that. And I get it. Misery does love company. But in all seriousness, I've just been shocked by the turn of events of this organization here. Not only just over the past few weeks and months, but really over these last few years. How the team, of course they want to win. Of course they want to get to October and get to a World Series. And hey, they went to an ALCS last year. But for whatever the reason, there doesn't seem to be any urgency. There doesn't seem to be any stick-to-itiveness. It doesn't seem to be like the Yankee teams that we've come to know and maybe love depending on who you are. But there isn't a guy on the team other than Aaron Judge 
that you could really say these guys are Yankees. Anthony Volpe just got here five minutes ago, so you can't say him. You can't look at guys like Josh Donaldson, even to a certain extent, Giancarlo Stanton, and I love him as a player, but he's not your prototypical Yankee. You can take a look at a bunch of other guys that have come through even over the years, but as far as this team overall, even a guy like DJ LeMahieu, who we know is a Yankee, and I get it that when he came over here a few years back and had those two monster years where he won a batting title and was in the running for MVP in both of those years, he is a shell of what he was back in 2019 and 2020. And it makes you think, geez, we still have a few more years with this guy on the books and he's done nothing in comparison to what he did in his first two years. And I can't even get into the pitching staff other than Cole because what more is there to discuss? The team is just a travesty. And there is no hope in sight. At least not in the immediate future. Maybe once the offseason comes and there's a lot of movement, whether it's in the front office, whether it's the manager, maybe even players, until they revamp this team, until there's a complete makeover, it looks like this is going to be a Yankee team moving forward. And why do we think it was going to be any different even with a guy like Carlos Rodon, who I didn't even bring up when it comes to their rotation and the injuries, etc. And who knows when he's going to come back. And all he had was one good outing against the Mets because besides that, he has been a complete bust. So I don't know what is going to happen with this team over the next six weeks. But my gut is telling me, and I hate to even give this any inkling of thoughts because I still have PTSD from the championship teams of the late 90s into the early 2000s how you can never ever count those teams out and we know that this team is a far cry from those teams but again they still are the Yankees just like the Lakers are the Lakers the Cowboys are the Cowboys the Celtics maybe not the Montreal Canadiens but you get it the teams that have had the pedigrees the teams that have had the tradition the history everything it's tough to count them out it just is But with this team, they are on life support. And if it doesn't change quick, fast, in a hurry, and even with the schedule this week playing the Braves and the Red Sox, now it lightens up a little bit after that. They do have the Nationals coming in the following week. Now they do go to Tampa for the weekend, and then they play Detroit, I believe, seven times over the next two weeks. So at least have the Tigers on the schedule, but by then it may be even too late. So the Yankee fan, I'm sure... You're hurting, and I'm sure you're sick and disgusted of what you've seen from your Bombers. But I don't know if they're going to get out of this alive. And chances are, they may not even get to October for the first time since 2016. Now, as far as baseball overall, not much has really transpired as far as any teams that have really made some moves or there has been some major separation. Now, one thing we can say I talked about this with the divisions. We know that the NL East and the NL West are formalities. Both the Dodgers and the Atlanta Braves are going to win going away. Who knows? Maybe you could even say the same for the Minnesota Twins. Now, granted, they do have a four-game lead, but I don't expect the Guardians, unlike last year, who had that run through August into September where they made it to the postseason and actually had a decent run beating Tampa and going five games with the Yankees. But I don't know if the Guardians are going to be able to have a carbon copy of what they did last year. So not to say that the Twins are safe, but let's just pencil in the Twins there. And as far as the NL Central, I know the Brewers have actually 
done well here to the point where they've had some breathing room and surprisingly so because the Brewers as we know have been in and out throughout the course of the year now granted that they've been more stable than the Reds as well as the Cubs but the Reds and Cubs are currently three and a half games or three in the loss behind the Brewers in the Central now the Brewers did sweep the White Sox over the weekend so that's where they got a little bit of a cushion so let's see if they can continue that. Not to say that the division is a wrap there, but the Brewers look like they can be in control, similar to the Twins, as they mirror one another in each central in the AL and NL. And then you have the Texas Rangers, who are holding a three-in-a-loss, two-and-a-half game lead over the Astros there out in the West. And then you also have the Orioles and the Rays, where the Orioles still have a nice lead, four-in-a-loss, Three ahead as they had a great weekend in Seattle. They were able to snap the eight-game winning streak of the Mariners there on Saturday. And they had a couple of big wins there as they move on down the coast to play the Padres over the course of the next three days. So the Orioles continue to play well. And the Rays, let's see where they go here with no Shane McClanahan as I talked about there on Thursday as he's going to be done. Who knows if it's going to be Tommy John surgery, but that left forearm strain Certainly is not going to have him toe the rubber at any point throughout the rest of the year. So you have that to look forward to, Rays fans, or at least baseball fans, to see whether or not the Rays will be able to carry on with their starting rotation as they try to push themselves to get to the top of the AL East where they had led pretty much for the first three, three and a half months of the season. Then you have the wild card situation, which I'll break down both. In the AL, it's a little bit more definitive right now because with the looks of how Tampa and Houston have played, Tampa has a five-game lead over the Blue Jays as they are fourth and currently sixth in the AL wildcard chase. The Astros are sandwiched in between, two and a half behind the Rays for that fourth and top spot in the wildcard. Now, it'll be interesting if the Rays and Astros were to be in the spot that they're currently at, they're going to play one another in the first round in the wildcard, which is kind of a bummer because you have the Astros who, as we all know, and they can still push for the division, like I mentioned. They're just two and a half, three in the loss behind the Rangers. But one of those two teams are going to be out. Now, I understand people will probably want to see the Astros maybe defend their title where the Rays, they've been more of a regular season team than they have a postseason team. And I get it. They went to a World Series a few years ago during the pandemic year. But that will be a series that a lot of people will look toward and possibly think that one of those two teams who could be out and have had a very good year, will be on the outside looking in. So that's one we'll monitor. But with the rest of the wild card picture there, you have the Mariners who are tied in the loss with Toronto and have three games in hand, but they're a game and a half behind Toronto for the final spot there in the AL. Then you have the Red Sox who are two in the loss, a game and a half behind the Mariners and three back of the Blue Jays. The Yankees, as we talked about, five back, four in the loss. And then you want to throw in the Angels, who are six and a half and six in a loss. That rounds out your wild card. And I don't know about the Angels. I know Otani is probably going to miss his next start. He's going to be in the lineup day to day. But having him out of the rotation, at least for one start, as you're getting deeper into the season, is going to be huge for an Angel team that's doing whatever it takes to not only keep Otani on the team, but see if they could be relevant in this wild card chase. But as we talk about with the Yankees, let's see where they stand here, especially after this three-game series against the Braves. And then in the National League, it's a little bit more jumbled, a little bit more competitive, 
I know the Phillies, even though they lost the back two to the Twins over the weekend at home, as Minnesota did a good job in Philadelphia, but they have a game lead, game and a half over the Giants for the fourth spot in the NL, where the Giants, who are now just two games, a game and a half ahead of the Marlins for the final spot, who currently have the sixth seed, that being the Marlins, and then you have the Cubs and Reds, who are both a half game behind. In fact, Cubs and Marlins are even in the loss at 57, but the Marlins do have the extra win, so the Cubs do have a game in hand there. And then the Reds are a complete one game behind, one in the loss, same amount of wins as the Marlins, but also got a game in hand, the Marlins, over the Reds there in that scenario. And then you have the Diamondbacks, who beat the Padres two out of three at home over the weekend. And I understand you still have to include the Padres here, because even with them losing that series, and them being five back in the loss and five and a half, they're still within striking distance, although the Padres, they're another team where I feel like you could throw dirt on them. Think about it. They are six games under 500. A team that had all those moves in the offseason, and they're similar to the Mets, as I've talked about in that regard. The high payroll, a lot of key acquisitions, and how they're just toiling. So many games under 500, and even though they're still mathematically alive, but you can't expect them to make a run, considering they've played what? 118 games in their season. Now all of a sudden they're going to flick the switch and turn on the Jets to where they're going to conclude their year, what? 30 and 18? And that's not even going to guarantee them a playoff spot, even though 86 wins could get you into the postseason where I believe last year for the Padres, 87 got them in. So we'll see what's going to happen there, but I don't think the Padres have a shot. And I think the Diamondbacks, although they've been flailing, but again, Marlins, Cubs, Reds, Diamondbacks, are teams that aren't going to scare you, unfortunately. Now, do they belong in this race as it's currently constituted? Absolutely. Just look at their records. It shows that they're in the mix here. But I would think if you're any of these teams, even Arizona, you would think that, hey, we could overtake the Marlins. We could get past the Cubs, Reds. Now I have to look at the schedule to see if these teams play one another here down the stretch, which would be huge. But... Unlike the AL, where there's a lot of separation, where the Yankees, Red Sox, still three, five games behind, as opposed to teams like the Reds, Cubs, and Marlins, that they're all separated by a half game for that final playoff spot. And if you want to throw in Arizona two and a half, please be my guest. But that's what we have here. And it looks like that's what's going to be the playoff races down the stretch for the wild card. The divisions, like I said, unless anything changes at the drop of a dime, that's going to be a different story. But right now, you may not have a very sexy or intriguing, enthralling playoff race because it's not as if you have a bunch of heavyweights there, i.e. Mets, Padres, even Yankees, Red Sox. I know they're still hanging around, but based on everything that I've detailed, do you expect them to make a turnaround here? So when you have teams like Arizona, Cincinnati, Chicago, even in the AL, Seattle. I understand they made it to the postseason last year. Same for Toronto. You don't have the appeal, I guess, when it comes to having those linchpin teams, your cornerstone teams of the sport. No St. Louis Cardinals, for instance. That's another team that's always in the postseason and they're going to be far from October this year. That's what you have with the baseball people. And let's hope that it does pick up. Let's hope that there is some suspense, some drama here down the stretch because who knows? We may get to Labor Day 
And there may not be much to talk about other than a three-team race in the NL wildcard or a two-team chase there in the AL. So let's keep our fingers crossed as we get through these dog days and deeper into this month as we get closer to the end of this baseball season. And one last thing before I move on to the NFL. There's been a story that has surfaced regarding Wanda Franco and how Major League Baseball is looking into social media posts involving some tweets, I believe, that he posted or maybe it was on Instagram that the sport as well as the Rays are looking into. And for whatever the reason, I don't know if it's a thing where he's involuntarily left the team. I don't know if there's been a disconnect or some sort of discourse. But based on what I've read here, that the manager, Kevin Cash, although Wander Franco did have an off day and did not play or was not in the lineup there yesterday, but he had left the dugout and the stadium, I believe, in the fifth inning. And I don't believe even made it to the team playing as they're playing in San Francisco over the next few days. But for Franco, who, as we know, good young player, a guy that I'm sure the Rays are going to count on and bank on to see if they're going to have any success here over the course of the rest of the season and into the playoffs. So for this situation to pop up now, not knowing the full gist or the full scope of what's going on between the player and their team, organization, etc. But this is something that I'm sure we'll keep an eye on to see whether or not this is going to have any lasting impact or effect whether there is a rift between he and the manager or management, the team, teammates, etc. So we will certainly see how that's going to shake down here over the course of the next few days and I'm sure even into the next few weeks. Now I know one thing I didn't mention was the schedule here over the next few days and I know you have some decent series upcoming. Of course we talked about Yankees Atlanta earlier, the Astros go to Miami, so just when they're coming off of the euphoria of that game yesterday, they have the defending champs coming to town, so let's see how that series will go for the Marlins, as they'll face off against one another, the Battle of Chicago, for anybody that cares, White Sox go to Wrigley this week, you have Baltimore and San Diego, I mentioned how the Orioles will come down the coast to SoCal to play the Padres to see if they could at least do anything to save their season, Tampa, San Francisco, that's a series to look out for. The Brewers go to LA to play the Dodgers. That's an interesting series. The Angels, as they try to hang on, they go to Texas to play the Rangers. Besides that, nothing else to really get into. All right, maybe Philadelphia, Toronto, that's a series that we could keep an eye on. So you do have some series that we could look at here as we get into the middle portion of the week. And of course, we'll recap that all on the next podcast come Thursday. Now as I lace up my helmet and shoulder pads to discuss some NFL football as we're a few weeks away, I did not watch Hard Knocks. I'll make sure to watch that episode in the coming days. I know the second episode pops up tomorrow night. Now, from what I've heard, and I discussed it briefly there on Thursday, it was a love fest between Aaron Rodgers, the cameras, HBO, the teammates, etc. Now, who knows if I'm going to get sick of that after the first 10 minutes, but... I will watch that and get a chance to see the second episode, hopefully by Thursday, so I can give you a little bit of a feeling as to what it is that I see from the outside looking in. So we have that to look forward to. One thing to not look forward to if you're a Colt fan is this standoff between the running back Jonathan Taylor and the Colts. And I talked about this a couple weeks ago. Now, I didn't go in depth on it, so that's my apologies. Hand raised high in the air when it comes to Taylor wanting a trade request 
because of a report that surfaced regarding a knee injury as well as a back injury that the organization, for whatever reason, stated that during their physical upon entering training camp, how there was a back issue due to a non-related football injury that had surfaced. And I don't know if this just came out of thin air or if this is all just scuttlebutt. Who knows? But that's when Taylor said, "Uh uh-uh, maybe I want to get out of here and had addressed a trade request to the organization, which they vehemently balked at. And then became a scenario where Taylor decided to rehab off of the Colt facility and was going to do it independently. And now a report has come out where he is going to show up at training camp here over the course of the next few days. What that relationship is like at this present moment, who knows? As we talked about a few weeks ago, we know that the running back in the sport, especially even the top ones, not getting their due when it comes to pay is concerned, considering all the other skill position and top flight players, whether it be left tackle, quarterback, corner, pass rusher, and we understand that they're going to get premium dollars, but the running back does not get that here in the age of 2023, and I addressed that a couple weeks ago. If you want to go back, it's on the main title if you were unable to get a chance to listen to that but for Taylor if he's on the contract and I get it he wants more money he wants big time bucks he's been a focal point of that offense producing big time yardage and big time play and he gets what he deserves he deserves all the money that he could possibly get whether it's signing bonus guaranteed money etc but of course with the lay of the land and how it is in the NFL in this day and age the running back isn't the focal point of the offense anymore We understand it's a passing league. And without getting too much further into it, again, I want you to go back to the old episode. But Taylor and the Colts, who knows how this is going to play out when it's all said and done. Is he just not going to show up? Now, eventually he's going to get fined day after day. You would think with him being on the contract, and I believe this coming year is the last year of his rookie contract. So... I'm sure he's going to be the good soldier and he's going to have to be based on his contractual status and I'm sure that he's going to dance to his own beat knowing that he does not want to get injured in a walkie of a contract knowing that he's going to look after his own self and to a certain extent you could understand that considering that the position he plays and how grueling and demanding that it is especially physically as well as emotionally, psychologically, etc. So who knows how this is all going to unfold here over the course of the rest of this training camp into the season. Do they just bury this? Is there a long-term solution, i.e. contract that may be forthcoming? Who knows? If I'm the Ursays, Jim Ursay at that, the owner, I would just sit down with the young man and say, yes, you are important to the team. What is it that we could do to accommodate that's going to be fair for both sides and let's move on and that's it. That's what they should do. Because without Taylor, and we understand that that team does not have a bunch of star wideouts. There are no Reggie Waynes or Marvin Harrisons on this team. And when you have a guy like Anthony Richardson, who I would think is going to be projected to be the starter of this team, who's probably going to use his legs more than his arm and will need every facet of his offense, whether it be the running backs, in this particular case, Taylor or their wideouts, whether your name is Michael Pittman Jr. or their tight ends, no matter who it may be. But I would think that they want to go in 
with a full arsenal of their offense. And I'm sure Taylor wants to be a part of that too. But it's going to be up to ownership. Because as much as Taylor would want to hold out and is at an impasse, not only with his contract, but what's going on there behind the scenes with the injuries or who said, he said, she said, that type of scenario that it seemed to crop up there with the Colts. Other than giving them an extension, this looks like it could be headed toward a messy divorce. So we shall see. Other than that, there isn't much to discuss there in the NFL. I'm not going to go through any of these preseason games or any of these quarterback battles or Bryce Young talking about his offensive line, anything like that. Uh, Like I said, anything that's going to happen here over the course between now and the start of the season, whether it's players or key players getting cut or a situation like Taylor where there seems to be a disagreement between he and the front office or a major injury, which we hope doesn't happen here and we wouldn't expect considering that the main starters aren't going to get a lot of burn here throughout the course of these next couple of weeks. But wake me up come September the 7th when we could start talking about a preview and getting into this NFL season and even more in particular September the 10th when the real season begins because we all know that Thursday night game is just a rah-rah pomp and circumstance, raise the curtain on the season, and that is it. So, let's move on. Speaking of messy divorces, we may see one in Philadelphia here in the coming days and weeks, or maybe not. Based on what Daryl Morey, the GM of the Sixers, just a few days ago stated that he was not going to trade James Harden, that he was going to be a part of the 76ers here for the upcoming 2023-24 season. And then there was an event in China for Adidas that James Harden happened to be at. And I don't know if a question was posed. I don't know if there was any media. I don't believe. It just seemed to be a regular camp where there were kids or maybe other youth teams or people that was by invite only. Who knows? But I don't think there was any local media or reporters on the scene to really dig in on what James Harden had to say about Daryl Morey. But the video is out. He could try to retract his comments as much as he wants. But by him coming out saying that Daryl Morey is a liar, and he didn't say it once. said it twice. Now, who knows what has happened here throughout the course of these negotiations because Harden, who preferred to go to L.A. to be a clipper, as has been rumored, and with the deal not being consummated or not even materializing to the point where I believe the asking price was going to be too much for the Sixers to take back for them to give up Harden in the process. And if you're any NBA team, as I've said it before, and I'll say it one last time without really getting into it, why would you want to even bring James Harden to your team is beyond me. So... It is a buyer beware deal and maybe the Clippers were flirting with that idea where the owner Steve Ballmer was thinking about "Mm, maybe if I bring Harden here to go with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard could it possibly be? But I'm sure that the draft picks and maybe players to a certain extent were just going to be too much for the Clippers to handle that they thought "Ah, we'll pass. And one more time why would any team want to take on James Harden is beyond me. But to me, this looks like a power play of Harden just wanting to get his way, similar to what he did to get out of Houston, similar to what he did to get out of Brooklyn, and now 
to get out of Philadelphia to the point where he's called Maury a liar and he's pretty much put the ball in his court to try to get him out of Philadelphia by hook or by crook. And mind you, the Harden-Maury relationship up until I guess this past week was hunky-dory. How much they loved one another. How much they almost needed one another. And all the glowing things that were said by the GM and by the player over the years, more so in Houston than in Philadelphia, but that tune didn't change once Maury became the GM there a couple of years back. But now for whatever the reason, and who knows what was said in those discussions, whether Maury guaranteed that he was going to go to LA and that's why Harden is calling him a liar, or whether Maury said that whatever we're going to do, we're going to get you off this team, and for him to say behind his back, or maybe not being forthright with Harden, that through the media said that Harden is not going to be traded because we couldn't get enough back in a deal to send Harden to where he wanted to go. Who knows? This story is going to be developing, especially as we get closer to training camp, which is not going to be to the end of September. But how I look at it from afar, I'm sure Maury is wrong, maybe as far as him not being as open maybe even honest to a certain extent, too hardened to kind of clue him in on what's going on with these negotiations. But then the flip side of that is, how could you ever trust James Harden? Not even 5%. And listen, I don't know him personally, and I understand that may sound like a personal affront toward him, but just like I mentioned, he weaseled his way out of three other scenarios, or this being the third, as I discussed. So why can I even think to trust what Harden has to say if he's looking for the exits? And we know how he performed in those final couple of games in the postseason against the Celtics, game six, game seven, where the guy was an absolute no-show. So to me, I can't trust Harden as far as I can throw him. Is there some culpability on Maury's part? I'm sure there is. But... Until a microphone is put in front of his face to kind of get the recent events of what's happened here with Harden. And I'm sure Philadelphia, they're ready to pounce on Maury to find out all the tea and all the juice regarding this story. And this doesn't make Maury look good and it certainly doesn't make Harden look good either based on his track record. And if you're a Sixer fan, I'm sure you got to be sick. Because I would think the majority of them want Harden out as it is to begin with because... They've seen enough, and now they're going to have to deal with this, with what he said in this video regarding Daryl Morey being a liar. When we all know that Harden isn't one of nature's noblemen when it comes to being loyal or honoring his contract or being a guy that's going to stick it out because he wants to win a championship, as opposed to being a guy that, uh uh-uh, I got my parachute and my ejector seat ready because I don't want to stick around for any negativity or the aftermath of what could be regarding my trade requests. And as it was, remember this people, it was rumored that he wanted out of Brooklyn, but how he didn't want it to get out to the press because he didn't want to look bad in the process. Think about that. He was a guy that, hey, I want to get out of here, but can you not publicize this? Just make the trade, whatever it may be. And I'll just go on my merry way and that's it. You know that this guy is bad news. And I'm not saying as a person, but just as a professional 
and him just being a guy that you could count on to be there through the thick and thin, through the good and the bad, through all of it. Because as we all know, James Harden is a front-running player and is Hall of Fame worthy. I'll give him that. But all the stats in the world, all of the triple-doubles in the regular season and some good playoff performances aren't going to be overlooked or is going to overlook the bad play and just the bad body language and just the overall lack of toughness, lack of grit, lack of fight, and more so lack of production when the money's on the line. So, Philadelphia, I'm sure you're ready to just pounce on this, whether it's the player or the GM, because this story, A, doesn't look like it's going to go away, and it certainly is not going to end up being pretty. And one last thing before I bid adieu as I lace up my skates, just a few weeks ago, the Boston Bruins Longtime center, Selkie Trophy Award winner, Patrice Bergeron, went off into the sunset and retired. Well, the same could be said for one David Krejci, who came back last year on a one-year deal, and we know what happened with the Bruins. Their regular season was as good as it could be, and their postseason was as bad as it could possibly be. And now having two of your mainstays exit and go off into retirement, where now Krejci, along with Patrice Bergeron retiring. Those are two guys that I'm sure Bruin fans are going to remember fondly. Krejci, a part of that 2011 Stanley Cup team, was a part of the other two Stanley Cup teams that didn't hoist the trophy above their heads in 2013 when they lost to Chicago, in 2019 when they lost to the St. Louis Blues. But for both Krejci, more so Krejci because Bergeron had his day and I talked about him a few weeks back. But for Krejci, I'm sure his sweater is going to be raised to the TD Garden Rafters and will certainly get all the praise and the accolades that he deserves as the Bruins say goodbye to two of their mainstays on their team and now try to look forward and even put the piece together on what was a memorable regular season and how they could even have an encore. Now, of course, we're not expecting 65 wins, 137 points or whatever it was. But boy, I'm sure the taste in... Not only just the fans' mouths, but even those players, I'm sure it's still bad. And knowing that they're not coming back, I'm sure they would like to have one more go at it. But again, as Charles Barkley says eloquently, father time is undefeated. And for those guys, they felt it was time. So all the best to Krejci as he moves on to the next stage and next chapter of his life. As we know, as a Bruin, a great one and one that I'm sure will have his day in Beantown where they retire his jersey and have a big ceremony for him and his former teammate, Patrice Bergeron. That'll do it, my good people. That's all I got for you this week. Well, at least for this podcast, because we have another one coming on Thursday. If you don't know, now you know for the first timer, or maybe if you're a newbie to the podcast, twice a week, every Monday and Thursday, into this microphone through your earbuds, headphones, or speakers. I'm coming at you. Sports talk like no other. As I appreciate you stopping by, thank you so much for participating, for carving out precious time out of your day to listen to what it is I have to say about what goes on in the world of sports. If you haven't done so, please subscribe, rate, and review. Throw me a few stars, write a review. I greatly appreciate it. Also, if you want to hit me up on any of my socials, follow and subscribe on YouTube at JReels, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, the JReels Podcast, Twitter, JReels1, just a number. So if you want to hit me up via DM, 
through those platforms or if you want to hit me up the old-fashioned way by email at the jreelspodcast at gmail.com I'll be more than happy to follow up with any suggestions questions, comments, etc because whether you do or do not know this is what I love to talk about people it's in the blood, it's in the DNA as I like to say I'm not going anywhere as long as I'm alive and breathing and here on God's green earth passion, fire, fury, energy twice a week, eight times a month maybe even a little bit more than that when I have guests Because my thoughts, feelings, opinions, analysis, critiques, praise as I discuss anything and everything that happens on the world of the diamond, ice, gridiron, hardwood, golf course, racetrack, tennis court, boxing ring, octagon, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels Podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. From the South Bronx, the South Beach, the South Center, the South Pacific, and all points beyond. Peace, love, and God bless, everybody. And until next time on the J Reels Podcast, on the foot, baby. <laughs>